Let's open our Bibles, 1 Timothy chapter 4, please. Last time we looked at the last part of 1 Timothy 3, and uh, we talked about God's household, the church, the church of the living God, it says there in chapter 3, verse 15. It's God's family, and it's just wonderful. I'm, I'm, I'm so happy to be a part of God's church and, and to be part of God's church here, this family that we have here. Uh, you know, families, uh, families are families, right? And we have, you know, our good parts and our not-so-good parts and that, but we're still family. But we're part of God's family, which is even, even bigger, even better than that. I know that, uh, you know, we came out from California, and we had no family out here, really, but, but God raised up a family to be family to us. We have uh, brothers and sisters and mothers and fathers, and, and God just put that together and, and blessed us. So 1 Timothy says that he's giving instructions about how we ought to behave, how we ought to conduct ourselves in, in the family. And, and then he also says that the church is the pillar and the foundation of the truth. The church is the pillar and the foundation of the truth. That the, the church, God's church, it, it, it puts the, the truth of God, the truth of Jesus uh, and it holds it up. And, and this is one of the primary functions as well as being family, is to, is to promote and to proclaim the truth of God's word, the truth of, of who God is. And, and uh, the message, of course, the ultimate message is Jesus. And that's why he talks there in the last verse of 1 Timothy 3 uh, about Jesus, that he, look, read with me there in, in the last part of verse 16, he appeared in a body, he was, he was vindicated by the Spirit, was seen by angels, was, was preached among the nations, was believed on in the world, and was taken up in glory. The message of Jesus that people need to believe that message, and there's a response that's needed. Now today, we're going to pick it up in chapter 4, and, and uh, beginning in, in verse 1, and, and talking about this subject of, of uh, false teaching. If you remember back in chapter 1, the first order of business in chapter 1 that Paul gets to, and again, Paul is raising up, he's training, he's teaching Timothy, who is a pastor there in the city of Ephesus. He, the first thing he wants to deal with him in this pastoral epistle, they call it, is false teaching, false teachers. The first order of business, and here he gets to it again. Again and again and again, he's dealing with it, and we'll, we'll see, and we're going to talk about that today, the need for sound doctrine. It's a real problem. It's a very real danger for the church. And if the church is supposed to be the pillar and the foundation of the truth, it's something we need to be very concerned about. So look at verse 1 in chapter 4. It says, The Spirit clearly says that in later times, some will abandon the faith and follow deceiving spirits and things taught by demons. Such teachings come through hypocritical liars whose consciences have been seared as with a hot iron. They forbid people to marry and they order them to abstain from certain foods which God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and who know the truth. For everything God created is good and nothing is to be rejected if it is received with thanksgiving because it is consecrated by the word of God and prayer. That's a lot of stuff in there. We're, we're, we're going to try to look at those five verses there today. But beginning in verse 1, he says that the Spirit clearly says this. This is something that is very, very clear. 
that there's a problem. There's something to look out for. There's a danger. How does Paul know that? What is Paul speaking about? And he says the Spirit clearly says that. Well, you know, the Spirit of God was moving through the apostles, through the prophets, but Jesus himself spoke about this problem. The other apostles spoke about it. The Old Testament scriptures spoke about the, the problem that there would be false teaching and we need, to be, we need to be clear. So the Spirit is clearly saying, Paul realizes that in later times that some will abandon the faith, that this is going to be a problem. It's going to affect people's lives. Notice he says that it would be in later times and, and some would say, well, that was was really the last times. I don't think we can necessarily say in this, there, there are other passages in, in, in uh, these epistles of, of Paul that talk about the last days. But I think, he, I think he's saying in later times that this is going to be a problem. And it's been a problem really since the beginning of the church. It's been a problem that needs to be dealt with for, for, for all the time. There, was, there, were, there were problems false teaching. Obviously, he, he talked about it here when the church, he was speaking to the church in Ephesus and, and uh, Timothy as well. So has it stopped? No, it's continued on. It's, uh, has it gotten worse now? I don't know that it's gotten worse. It's been a problem. It's been something that needs to be addressed. But notice he says there that, that because of this, that some will abandon the faith. And this is where we get our word apostasy, where, where people would actually depart, they would walk away, they would leave the faith. Some will abandon the faith, they will follow deceiving spirits, they will follow things that were, are taught by demons. Some, he says, would do that, not all. Now, you, you have to ask about this, when you think about someone who would leave the faith, like, what is he talking about here? What is he talking about? Is he talking about true believers? I personally don't think so. Can a true believer walk away for a period of time? Yes, I think that a true believer can walk away for a period of time, and we call that backsliding, when they would walk away and, and get involved maybe in the world. But he seems to be talking here about, about those that that, that went out, and, and read with me in 1 John 2.19. I've got a lot of scriptures for you today, so I'm going to put a bunch of them up on the screen, uh, and let me know if you're able to follow along with that afterwards. Say, say, that was too many, or say, that wasn't enough, or tell me like how it went here, okay? Fill it out a little, um, okay? You know what I'm saying. It says, they went out from us, but they did not really belong to us. For if they had belonged to us, they would have remained with us. But their going showed that none of them belonged to us. That's kind of interesting. He says, if they really were part of us, they wouldn't have gone out there and, and, and gone out. Again, there is the possibility for true believers to kind of get involved in the world, fall away, to do things they shouldn't be doing. But a true believer... A true believer who really knows the Savior Jesus, how can you really go out there and stay out there? That's my uh, question. You know, Jesus said to his disciples, he talked, he talked to them, he said some very difficult things. And in John 6, 6, 6, 6 again on the screen, he says, For this time, uh, excuse me, from this time, many of his disciples... 
they turned back and they no longer followed him. They had been disciples. They were following him. But Jesus asked the 12, his 12 disciples, you do not want to leave too, do you? And Simon Peter answered him one of the most incredible things I think he ever said. Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life and we believe and know that you are the Holy One of God. To whom shall we go? Is there anybody else that we can go to other than Jesus? Is there any other, you know, kind of weird thing that we can get involved in that's going to give us more than what Jesus himself gives us? No, absolutely not. So that's why I say these that, that he's talking about here, they, they departed, they abandoned the faith, they went and, and followed these things that were going on. And, and uh, it's kind of like the, uh, the trendy things. The unusual things, things that they would maybe give them this extra little thing that they, that they didn't have. Beware of that. Beware when it's something special, something unique, something, well, we have got this thing going over here that's very special, very unique. You're not going to find that anywhere else. Well, there's a reason for that. It's because it doesn't belong anywhere else. It's a problem. But I've seen it, you know, in, in, in over the years, you know, this kind of trendy thing, well, the, the latest exciting thing, the latest thing that's, that, you know, really tickles your ear, the latest thing that, that gets you, you know, excited or whatever. Not that we have to be all boring and everything, right? I don't think, honestly, though I may be boring and some of you, you know, saying, well, yeah, okay, whatever. Uh, I don't think we need to be boring and, and Jesus is enough. Jesus himself is enough for us. Right? Is that true? Are you with me? Some guy at the conference kept saying, are you with me? Can I hear amen? I'm going like, okay, amen. Why do people walk away? Why do they go different directions? Uh, sometimes it's because it's just not convenient. Sometimes it's because of persecution. But Jesus, in his parable of the sower, he says that there were a group of people that, that they were on the rock. It says those on the rock, Luke 8, 13, are the ones who receive the word with joy when they hear it, but they have no root. And they believe for a while, but in the time of testing, they fall away. They go away. In the time of testing, things get difficult, so they walk away. I don't think a true believer... Just because some testing comes along, falls away. It's, again, it's, it's this idea, if you're going to follow Jesus, follow him and put down roots, deep roots. That's what we need to do if we're going to be true believers, true followers of Jesus. And then in our context here, another thing that causes people to walk away and to go different directions is because of deception. See that there? He says to, to follow deceiving spirits and things taught by demons. That's what he says here in, in uh, 1 Timothy 4, verse 1. Deceiving spirits and things taught by demons. Boy, I don't even like to, to, to think about that. But that's the reality. And Paul's saying, listen, you, you, you got to be, be real about this here. There's a, a spiritual warfare that's taking place. There's a whole spiritual realm that we cannot see. It's demonic, he says. 
It's inspired by the devil. And, but not only that, it's, it's full of deception. Now, to deceive someone, you don't come along and say, listen, I would like to deceive you right now. And uh, I'm going to try to sell you a bridge. No, you don't do that. It's deception is deceptive by its very nature. Well, well, Jesus, speaking about the devil, he says that he was a liar. He was a liar from the beginning. He can't even, he can't even speak the truth. It's lies are his native language, one version says. So we've, so we've got to be careful. And again, this whole idea of, of, of knowing the truth, if the church, the church as a whole... The church of the living God is the pillar and foundation of the truth. We need to know the truth. And the truth is revealed to us in God's word. So we need to know God's word to know the truth. I find it interesting, we talked a little bit about this yesterday, that, that in Ephesians chapter 6, talking about the armor of God and spiritual warfare that we face, the first piece of spiritual armor is what? Anybody tell me? The belt of truth. The belt of truth. Someone else had it. A bunch of you had it here. It's because you were there yesterday. You already know. I got it wrong yesterday. Yeah. I wasn't going to point that out, but now that you mention it. The belt of truth that we, that, you know, to protect us against the enemy's attacks, the spiritual warfare, and it, and it talks in there about it's all very organized, it's all very... You know, the devil's been around a long time. He's got this thing down. And you and I are just, you know, finite human beings. And he is also finite, by the way. He's not just the opposite of Jesus. He's a finite, created being. But he's a spiritual being, and, and he is very good at deception. He's a liar. And he has demons to do his work. And Paul's saying, here, watch out. There, there are going to be deceiving spirits, and there's going to be doctrines of demons, things that are taught. And one of their goals is to get people to leave the truth and to move over away from the truth, the simple truth of the gospel, to some weird thing. We'll talk about some of those in a minute. Look at verse 2. He said, some teachings come through hypocritical liars whose consciences have been seared as with a hot iron. You see, it's not, it's not a demon up there that you see because you can't see demonic beings. So what he's saying here is that the te these teachings, these, these demonic doctrines that are inspired by this uh, demonic realm, it says they come through who? Come through people. Come through people. You can't trust everybody who gets up and says, well, I'm going to teach the Bible now, or I'm going to, I'm going to teach you something now. You can't, you've got to be careful. And I say this a lot, that if you begin to, to, to see something weird, something strange, you need to question it. You need to study God's word. It says in Acts 17, you know, that when Paul was speaking, the Bereans, they, they were more noble than the others. Why? Because they listened to what Paul said, but then they went and checked out the scriptures to see if it was really so. And so you and I can check it out. Well, is that even biblical? And we can check it out. And no. And... We have to be careful. He says that these false teachings, they came through, through, uh, through people. These false teachers, they, he says they were hypocritical liars and, and hypocrisy in its very nature is putting on an act, putting on a, a mask, right? 
When you look at that word, it's a, it's a, it's a, a show. So you've got these guys, these people, men and women, really, that are putting on this show that we are so spiritual, that we are so, we have the truth, we have this and that, but yet it's, it's not real, it's not, it's not genuine. So just because someone says that, that this is so, we need to be careful. Now, does that mean we go around being skeptical of everybody? Well, what did you say? Uh, no, I, I, think it, I think it's more that you and I are grounded in the truth of God's word. We're grounded in that, that we, that we have a, a kind of a, a, a foundation of God's truth. That we can, if we hear something weird, kind of the red lights start going off. Or red lights or red uh, uh, s- sounds start going off in our head like, wow, what, what was that he said? Gold dust coming out of the sky? We'll talk about that. Hypocritical liars. Now, I, I was thinking about this, and I was asking myself, are, 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 are these people that, that are being you know, inspired and, and kind of teaching these kinds of things, are they doing it knowingly? Or are they deceived themselves? I don't know. I think in some cases it's just plain flat out. They know what they're doing and they're doing it for reasons that we'll talk about here in a second. I keep saying that, talk about in a second. But some, I think, are honestly and truly deceived. They've bought into something that they shouldn't have bought into. And some perhaps are both. Why do these things happen in Acts chapter 20, verse 30, again on the screen? He says, Paul's warning the elders at Ephesus. He says, even from your own number, men will arise and distort the truth in order to draw away disciples after them. So it's this idea of power, that they want people to follow them, and so they'll, they'll make some compromise, they'll distort the truth, and so that they might have someone follow them. Is that a danger today? I think it is. We're kind of, our whole society is, is, is almost based on personality. It's very personality-driven, isn't it? You know, we're all up, we're all up and, and about this kind of person and this kind of personality. He says... They will draw away disciples after them. Another reason found in 2 Peter, and you're going to have to turn with me to that one, please. 2 Peter chapter 2, if you will. James, Peter, John, and Jude. So turn with me to 2 Peter chapter 2. Again, Peter talks about it. He says it very, very clearly. 2 Peter chapter 2 and verse 1. He says, but there were also false prophets among the people, just as there will be false teachers among you. It's like a promise, a promise of God. There's going to be false teachers. He said, they will secretly introduce destructive heresies, even denying the sovereign Lord who bought them. That's the key right there. They deny Jesus. Bringing swift destruction on themselves, many will follow their shameful ways. And will bring the way of truth into disrepute. I wonder about that sometimes. Some of these places that are teaching just complete heresy, heretical, destructive heresies, and yet people are flocking to go to these places. 
That's what he said here. Peter said this is what's going to happen. And they will bring the way of truth into, into disrepute. In other words, they're, they're going to give a bad witness to what the church is. They start doing all these weird things, the, the, the laughing revival, quote-unquote. How many of you remember that? That was not too many years ago. You know, people, uh, you know, they got so worked up and they're, they're writhing around on the ground laughing like, like uh, and you're going to tell your, your co-worker, well, come to church with me. And you can watch everybody, uh, you know, rolling around on the grounds like, like insane people. Bringing the way of truth into disrepute. But look at verse 3. He says, in their greed, these teachers will exploit you with stories they have made up. Their condemnation has been hanging over them and their, their destruction has not been sleeping. They're, they will receive. Jesus talked about if you stumble, uh, you know, somebody, you're going to pay the price for it. But one of, the, one of the big reasons that they are doing this is because of greed, because of money. They, the love of money have, has corrupted them, and they, they like the idea that they can have multi-million dollar homes. They like the idea that they can have, you know, uh, yachts and private jets. They like the idea that they can have whatever they want and, and uh, you know, have the penthouses and the hotels when they go and speak in these places. You say, is that happening today? Yes, absolutely it's happening today. It's been happening. I've seen it happening. Well, if you'll just sow a little bit more money into my ministry, God is going to take care of you. He's going to give you everything you want. But you need to sow into my ministry so that God will do that for you. People have sold their houses. People have given up all their savings to sow it to, so they can get a miracle, so they can get something that these false teachers promised. And where does the money all go? It goes into their back pockets. So I've decided to get rid of that jet. I just don't want any of you to be stumbled by that. I'll keep the yacht. I'll keep the yacht. That's good. Jesus, again, speaking about the fact that the truth is so clear, the Spirit clearly says it. Jesus speaking, obviously, uh, says in Matthew chapter 7, Watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. By their fruit you will recognize them. Watch out, he says, false prophets. They, they don't come again. Uh, saying, listen, I'm a false prophet, and uh, I just want your money. They say I want your money, but they say I'm, I'm very spiritual, and I am trying to help you on your spiritual journey, so give me money, and then I can continue to help you do that. He says they're ferocious wolves. They're wolves in sheep's clothing. Paul talks about in Romans 16, verse 18, uh-oh, Push the wrong button there. Nope. He said, For such people are not serving our Lord Christ, but their own appetites. By smooth talk and flattery, they deceive the minds of naive people. <coughs> smooth talk and flattery. Flattery will get you a yacht, yeah, and the, the plane and all that. 
smooth talk. These guys, you listen to some of these guys and you say, wow, they, they really can speak well. They're really charismatic. They really can do that. But, but really, he says they're deceiving. And really, they're doing it only for themselves. They're not doing it as, as a servant of God, as we've seen Paul talking about here in chapter 3, being a, a servant, not a master. He says their consciences have been seared as with a hot iron. It's like they burn, they've been burned beyond feeling, beyond caring. Let's look at verse 3, 1 Timothy 4, verse 3, some of the false teaching. He's given us some examples here. Look at verse 3. He says, They forbid people to marry, and they order them to abstain from certain foods which God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and who know the truth. There's, there's a couple of things in here. Uh, one of them is legalism. They begin to be, get very legalistic, like you must do this, and this is exactly how you'll do it, and, 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 and you kind of get off in there, you get away from the grace of God. And then there's this asceticism where, you know, like you, you have to beat your body to, to get anywhere with God. And, but, but really what stands out with me, notice there, he says they forbid and they order. In my mind, it's kind of like a power trip. And they, by what they say, it puts themselves over what God has said. Because that's what Paul says here. He says, he said, God created these things. They forbid, they order, but God created, God gave for us to receive. It gets a little bit scary, though, doesn't it? When men begin to put themselves over God... And, and really, it, it, someone pointed this out, uh, you know, that it, it really goes back to Genesis chapter 3, the beginning in the garden, where Satan deceived Eve, right? And, and what did he say? He, he said, you know, it's okay if you do that because you'll be like God. You're going you're gonna to lift yourself up. You'll have a position. You'll be just like God. The lie, you know, that, that, we, can be, that we can be God's. Some of the false teachers are teaching that even today, that you will be gods. Scary. Look at verse 4. He says, For everything God created is good, and nothing is to be rejected if it is received with thanksgiving. So God is, has given to us, and, and for us to reject what God has given because of what some man says, but he says here it's good. He's given it to us. Marriage and food. Verse 5, he says, because it is consecrated, set apart by the word of God and prayer. The word of God for marriage. Genesis chapter 2, right? For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife and they will become one flesh. God gave this covenant of marriage to the church. It's a good thing for, for people to mess with it. I mean, we, don't, we, we know only too well here that, that people are messing with it big time, right? In our society, not a good thing. But they've been doing that in lots of different ways. They forbid people to get married. And, and in some groups, they, they actually would be, well, you, can't, you can get married, but you can't get married until we say you can get married. Kind of, again, this power thing, this power trip, the shepherding movement was big on that. You got to get permission to do anything. In uh, Genesis chapter 
1, the word of God about plants, he says, God said, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the earth. Oh, I went too far, didn't I? I give you uh, every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth, every tree that has fruit and seed with seed in it, and they will be yours for food. And then in Genesis 9, everything that lives and moves will be food for you. Just as I gave you the green plants, I now give you everything. So God has given us all these things. And so for somebody to come along and say, whoa, no, don't do that, can't do that, who are you going to listen to? Which one do you want to follow? Some man or, or what God says in his word? In prayer, I really like this. It says Jesus, you know, he, he directed the people to sit down on the grass and he took the five loaves and the two fish and he looked up to heaven, he gave thanks and he, and he broke the loaves and then he gave them to the disciples. And the disciples gave them to the people. This idea of, of thanking God. He says they're consecrated by the word of God in prayer. So that thing that we do when we have meals together, that, that's not something man made up. That's biblical. For us to stop and say, wait, let's stop and say thanks for the food. I, you know, I was with my family and, and uh, you know, we, we don't have, you know, extended spiritual conversations. But you know what? When it's time to eat, I say, let's pray. And, and you know what? They put their hands out and we hold hands and we pray. And I say, thank you. Thank you, God, for providing for us. You know, does that have an impact? I think so. Paul, he says in Acts 27, said after he said this, he took some bread, gave thanks to God in front of them all. And then he broke it and began to eat. It's a simple thing, you know. It, it, sometimes the food that we get served, we need, we, we need to pray before we eat it because we're not sure what it is, Right? <laughs> Well, thank you, God, for this, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to get it down or whatever. We're having a potluck today, huh? Oh, my. We should start praying right now. And I want to invite every one of you to come and, and join us. Some other false teachings in our day. The list is huge, right? The list just goes on and on. The cults that are out there, and these are the major cults that are out there today. Mormonism, Jehovah's Witnesses. I mean, there, there, there's some very large established cults that are out there today that we need to be aware of. They come to your door. And again, I'm just going to touch on these. Universalism, that, I think that is huge today. Which means this, that, that everybody is saved. It doesn't matter what you believe. Everybody is going to heaven. Well, that is not what the Bible teaches. So who are you going to believe? This ecumenicalism that, that all faiths are equal. Every single faith that's out there, they're all equal. They're all going to the same place. All paths lead to heaven. That's not what Jesus said, did he? He said there's a broad way and there's a narrow way and only one is going to get you to heaven. The health and wealth gospel, as I've been uh, already mentioning, well, if you give money, basically the bottom line is you give money, you're going to be healthy, wealthy, and wise. But if you don't give enough money, and if you don't have enough faith, and you've got to have faith in your own faith, rather than faith in God, 
There's this thing about the gold dust, and that's fairly recent. And, and, and not only that, but like they, they believe like during the meeting, you know, that this gold dust was sprinkling down. And it's always in these places where it's very dark and they have certain kind of lights on, I think, too. And, and you know, gold dust is coming down out of heaven. In some places, it was feathers that were coming down. What? And you know what? They, I, I, you can read about this. Go online. Now you've got the resource of, of the Internet. You can go read about some of this stuff. It's just like bizarre, but they've actually analyzed some of this gold dust kind of stuff because there was something. They analyzed it, and it was plastic. It was some form of plastic. It wasn't gold at all. You know, people want like this, you know, I'm trying to get it all together and then go to the bank and cash it in or something. And they go, well, that's not gold. But it's, it's this idea of seeking after signs and wonders. And I, I heard the guy where this was happening. I listened to him for a little bit and he was saying, now I know the Bible says this and this and this, but when they start saying that, watch out, whoa. I know the Bible says that, but this is what we experience. Well, what is going to be the, the foundation? Your experience or what the Bible says? That's the bottom line. We experience a lot of weird stuff, but that doesn't mean it's all right and good. And, 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 and Jesus said, watch out. You know, there are going to be false, false the, the, the enemy can do false, weird stuff too. Another uh, big one, I think, seeking after signs and wonders, or that's what you're looking for. You know, I remember there was a guy that I was a good friend with, and, and he just, like, went, went totally in that direction. Like, I'm just, you know, I'm just going. I'm, I'm going everywhere I got to go. I got to find that sign and wonder. I got to see people raised from the dead. I got to go, and, and this is the direction I need to go in. That's scary. And then, and then, you know, all of a sudden, well, it probably wasn't all of a sudden, you know, he's divorced and he's out doing this thing by himself. Well, what's going on here? The next one there, uh, I think, is very, very huge today. And we actually, we had a couple of sessions talking about it at our conference this year that about the Bible being not trustworthy, about, about the Bible not being inerrant. There's something we call the inerrancy of Scripture, that the Bible is true, that it's, it's, it's not full of errors. And that is kind of a huge thing today. Now, the, the, they might say something like, well, the Bible contains the truth of God, but the Bible is not the truth of God. There's a big difference in that. And, and they look at one thing and say, well, that is just kind of a story, and that is just kind of a, um, you know... A poem, and, 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 and they begin to tear down the Bible. And, and the sad thing and the scary thing about this is that, that this is happening in the seminaries around our country. Just about every seminary in our country that, that they're tearing down the Bible. And they're teaching that to, to, to people who will then become the leaders of our churches. Scary. The Bible is trustworthy. I want to just say that to you. That's a whole subject. We actually talked about it some time back, why we can trust the Bible. And then finally, the fact that Jesus was just a man. He was a teacher. He was a prophet. He wasn't, he wasn't God in a body, as we read there in 1 Timothy 3. 
The fact of the matter is that this is just a short list and there are too many to name. There are too many false teachers. And again, because you have access to the internet, you can do a search false teachers in the church today and you, you, you come up with scores and scores and scores. It's, it's frightening. And we need to beware. We need to be on guard. But it also tells me this, that we are all vulnerable. We are all vulnerable. I am vulnerable to go down a certain path because I think it might be interesting, because it might be exciting, it might be, you know, the newest and latest thing. But I could be just leading you right down a path as well as leading myself down a path. We're all vulnerable. We need to be very careful. Notice in... uh, uh, the verses we just read here, some of the things that stuck out to me is, number one, to believe and know the truth and the word of God in prayer. These are some of the basic, simple things that, that you and I need to focus on. That we believe and we know the truth. And we hold on to the word of God and we hold on to prayer. That's a very, very important. I want to close uh, with 2 Corinthians chapter 11. I want you to turn with me, please. 2 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 3. And then we're going to have communion together. 2 Corinthians chapter 11 verse 3 says, But I am afraid that just as Eve was deceived by the serpent's cunning, your minds may somehow be led astray from your sincere and pure devotion to Christ. Paul was worried. Paul was afraid. He said somehow you could be led astray from your sincere and pure devotion to Christ. That's what we want, and that's what we need, our sincere and pure devotion to Christ. Let's pray together, shall we? Our Father in heaven, we thank you for your word, and we thank you for the truth. Father, that we need to know the truth. That Jesus, you are the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through you. And that as we follow your word and listen to you, we will know the truth, and the truth will set us free. Not some weird, strange doctrine. Not something that has really been inspired by demonic forces demonic in the demonic realm lord i pray that you give us discernment to know the truth that we would test the spirits to see whether they are from you test every spirit test the teaching just does it line up with your word lord we thank you that you gave us your word and and that we can trust it but i pray for us each one that that we would not be pulled away from that sincere and pure, simple devotion to Jesus Christ as our Lord and as our Savior. Father, thank you for all that you've given to us. Marriage, the food you've given to us, the things that you've given us in this life to enjoy. And Father, we thank you and we receive them with thanksgiving like it said here twice in this passage. 
Lord, we thank you most of all for Jesus. Most of all for Jesus who came and took the form of man and gave his life as a sacrifice for sin that that we're all sinners and we need Jesus. We need that forgiveness that only he can give to us. So Lord, as we come to have communion together, we, we lift up the name of Jesus. We proclaim him as our Lord, as our Savior. Lord, I pray here this morning as well for any who who have never understood, never received Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, that today they would open their hearts. If that's you this morning, that's all you need to do is open your heart to the truth. The truth is Jesus. Because He loves you and He gave His life for you and He he wants to give you His life today by simply opening your heart and saying, Jesus, please come in. I'm... I'm lost, I'm a sinner, and I, I need the truth in my life. I need you in my life today. In Jesus' name, amen.